listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Terry Walling, fantastic to have you with us. Sadly, not in person, but great to have you joining us via the internet at this moment. Absolutely. How is it in California for you at this time? Hey, we're doing okay. We're safe and uh, we are well. California itself, state-wise, has actually not had it as bad as they thought originally. I think some of our stay-in-place uh, orders have helped. And gradually, it's starting to peak here in the United States, which is a good thing. But uh, our governor here in California put the stay-in-place before anyone else. So I have stayed in place now in my fifth week, and I'm just going crazy. But... I'm happy that I'm playing my part in making sure more people uh, don't get this terrible virus. So doing okay. California's doing all right. That's good to hear. Well, we've been praying for uh, your, your country um, in our yeah. services and prayer meetings and um, really thinking of all of our friends in the U.S. at the moment and even those yeah. who are currently tuning in um, to the Red Live uh, services uh, from the U.S. Um, we thought it'd be great to talk to you. Um, obviously, you're someone who has poured into me, Sarah, other leaders at Red. You've come out to Rebuilders. And one of the things that we've all learned from you, which we thought it'd be great to share with um, our community, is that really you're someone who understands crises and transitions and the <laughs> role that they play in deepening our lives. Um, yeah. This is a profound um, moment of crisis for the world. Unbelievable, um, yeah. Yep. And and it's a uh, also an opportunity in the midst of the crises. Um, right. What are some of the opportunities you, opportunities that you see for us as believers um, in the midst of a moment like this? Yeah, well, one of the general characteristics of a time of transition is the fact that we can't go back, but we don't know which way forward. And it creates this time of uncertainty, even a time of isolation. And what typically happens is that, you know, all of us uh, don't like those moments. And so we want to kind of actually get out of them as quick as we can. But the reality is, if you look back on many, many years of how God shapes leaders, even biblically, how he's been shaping leaders uh, historically, and even today, you begin to discover something. We want out of transitions, but God wants in. And God uses these in-between moments to do things he could often never do, and not because of him, because of our response, um, without being in a time of transition. So one of the things that, that is actually good, even about a time of transition, is the ability to actually have him refine us and take us to a new place deeper in our dependency on him. And what that tip typically yields is a greater authority to minister for him. And so the very thing we resist sometimes is actually the very thing he is trying to do to align us with him and be able to grant us more of his presence. And so while I don't like this moment and you don't like this moment and all those listening don't like this moment, in reality, this could be a moment in time where God does some of his greatest work. Because personal renewal precedes and leads to corporate change. And that truth is this. If we're going to go to a new place as a church, he needs to take us to a new place in our dependency on him. 
So part of the, the, the axiom I've, I've taught people with transition is instead of resisting it, move toward it, lean into it and actually get all you can out of a transition. Because almost just like you see with this virus, they come to an end. And when they come to an end, we have what we have. And we have the work we've allowed God to do in each one of our lives. Mm. That's, I mean, one of the things we felt God saying is that this is almost like a night that has descended. Um, yep. And so there'll be a period when it does end. Um, yes. And, you know, what, what you've spoken about before is that often as believers, there's these in-between moments. We often want to go from yep. this this successful part of life yep. to the next successful part of life, but we miss those right. in-between bits. In between. Um, right. Yeah. Talk to us more about the importance of those in-between bits, um, perhaps even in the lives of biblical characters. would be really interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um, yep. And why do we as humans want to go from to success to success and we miss <laughs> the goals that can be found? So, like, you know, one of the things I've been saying for Red is we've got to come back stronger. So how do we Absolutely. enter into this in-between space and then come back stronger? What typically happens in, in the in-between spaces, I've noticed kind of three key uh, responses. One response is kind of by the hard chargers that are listening to this. They are the go-getters. They, when they see a moment like this, they just hit the accelerator button and they just go take off. They're going to solve it. They're going to do this. We're going to be better. Da, 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 da. On and on and on and on. They just, and, and that's because their identity is in their activity. So when there's no activity, they lose that sense of identity. So that's one response I see by people uh, when, when they hit transition moments. Another response. Could, could, that I, just, could I just jump into yeah. that one because it's so important. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, I don't feel to miss <laughs> that one. Um, I mean, what I'm noticing is Melbourne, I think many places in the world has become, you know, yeah. lots of people. There's, there's almost been an anxiety that many people have felt because there's so much demanded for us to be high-performance individuals, to be yes. doing great in our jobs, to be you know, flourishing in our relationships, to be having fantastic experiences, to going to all the different restaurants and, and you know, these different places. To, you know, and then all of a sudden you've got people who, who were doing all these things and now we're like people who are homeschooling their kids they may have had reduced hours at work. Um, people have lost jobs. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. What, what does it mean when we're moving out of our identity being in what we do? Because um, um, this is what is forcing that on us. Yes, and this is what happens in transitions. He's trying to move your identity to who you are. Now, get ready for this in Him, not what you do for Him, but who you are in Him. It's not mystical. What it is, it's the net result of dependency. So as you recognize that I am a child of God, first, foremost, and always, all of a sudden that deepening of you gives to you a courage and a character that can actually approach what's ahead differently. But if you don't go there, if you just push that accelerator button, Basically, you are denying and holding back some of the deeper work God wants to do, even as uncomfortable as it is. And part of the people now, now I'm going to be the best at this. Now I'm going to be the best at the tackling the coronavirus. I'm going to show people that that's I that's culture and identity talking. That's not that citizenship 
and that belonging to as a child, as a daughter, and as a son of the king. What's up? Mm. I mean, I saw so many people. I've been walking, and the amount of people who I'm seeing jogging, running up hills, um, <laughs> trying yeah. to like work on their physical. Which again, that's not bad. Like maybe this is a great no. opportunity. But also, the other thing I noticed is so many people like painting their houses. Like we're all going to fix our houses, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think no. that's that's a really great that in the midst of this, let's not miss the opportunity to renovate internally what God's doing internally. With identity. In fact, you know what I hear the theme around. That is so hard to do, but it's almost like we've been put on a forced Sabbath to be still. Quit running around and and trying to answer this deal. Be still and know that he's God. Mm -hmm. Truly understand that he is using this moment. By the way, I know this happened a long time ago in China and stuff, but for most of the West, he took down everything in two weeks. Everything Mm -hmm. went down in two weeks. So it's amazing how quick the whole thing shut down. And the reality is, let's actually lean into what God wants to do in terms of better understanding who he is and what his voice sounds like in a new day and in the days ahead. So, yeah, I mean, another key thing that that people tend to do, some of them just hit the button and they just go crazy. Another thing that people tend to do is run around and try to uh, get all the answers, get everything worked out um, and, and provide an answer for this and an answer for that and take care of that and, and actually try to return us back to where we've been. Mm. In other words, even though there's a crisis going on, I can recreate familiar. Now, I do understand, especially in the home front and everything, there is good and there's important in terms of belonging and having a base and a place to belong and the family and everything. It needs to have some commonality. But a lot of people try to turn back the clock instead of realizing it's being advanced. Mm. In other words, what got us here may not take us there. And so in a transition, oftentimes people try to recreate the familiar in order to say we're okay because our security is in the familiar. Our security is not in the familiar. Our security is in in the character of who we know with our God. And then the third thing I see people do is potentially run and hide. They do what I call the Elijah syndrome, where Elijah actually had this great, even victory, and then was found in a cave and believing I'm the only one who believes. So people get themselves into a forced isolation where they begin to think, I don't know if I can cope. I don't know if I have what it takes. I better hunker down and hold it. And and those three responses are pretty common responses to people who are in transitions. And you can even see those responses in people like Paul in people like Peter. You can see that response in Moses going to the wilderness sometimes. And those responses are actually against what God really intends, because what he really intends intends for this moment is for us to see and find him. And here's the point. We want answers. We need to discover that the whole purpose of this is actually him and growing deeper in him. He's the answer we're searching for, not answers to all our situational problem. If we come out of this saying, God, 
I know you better, we'll have what it takes to be able to cope in the days ahead. If we come out of this with our same answers, we're going to have now even greater challenges in the days ahead. Mm. I know that you are talking to lots of Christian leaders around the world. Uh, you talk to yeah. people in all different environments in the West, in the US, in Asia, in countries which are yep. open and free like ours, other countries where people have to yep. be in underground churches. Yep. Um, one thing that I'm seeing across the world is this weird reality, which I didn't see coming, where in a sense, as a church leader, um, I had in a sense some oversight or ability to influence people by getting them in a room. And um, what we, we, we went through this process at Red where this happened. As you said, it happened very quickly. We had to make these decisions very early on based on yep. protecting people um, yep. who were coming to our services. So we decided not to meet, to go live stream. We then were yep. following our denominational imperatives and our advice yep. from our denomination and our state government. And we you know, had to go to a really small team um, in, in yeah. here, which all come in and wash their hands and we had to watch people, had to have half a team who were going to be more pastoral and responsive, the other half were going to present content yeah. and and you sort of respond. But then it was almost like what we found, and I've heard other pastors say this, I'd love you to speak into this, is it's like we had the ball and every Sunday we've got the ball and we're trying to like, come on, guys, let's, let's move to renewal. This is where we're going. But then this dawning thing of realizing like we can put on the live stream service. We're trying to follow up people as best we can. But in many ways, people like me and people like the team here, we've lost the ball in some ways. And the ball has gone out to individuals. It's gone out to yes. households. It's gone to people where there's an element of self-leadership now. Um, yes. I can get on this stuff. I can't, I'm, I'm flying blind in a way. And I think that like what you're saying, there's almost an element of, oh, let's just keep doing church like it used to. I want to, you know, I went to the 11, 15 a.m. service at, at yeah. Number Wadding or the yeah. 10 a.m. Yeah. at Kilsyth. Yeah. Yeah. How do we yeah. keep that going? And in many ways, we're like, man, what, what do they all mean now? So what would you say to people at this moment where, in a sense, leadership has been handed over to the people of God? What are you seeing and what God is doing in that, where people like us have less of an influence, really, at this moment? Yeah, yeah. around the world, around the world. Uh, I was in a, a town hall with 10 different nations around the world, game changer. So this is actually a change. And this is the potential of the Reformation being complete, where it's the priesthood of all believers, not the adoption of actually a system that really never was intended. This could be the time when the church actually finally sees every person a minister. So that that I see. Second thing is this now causes people like yourself to realize what's my role and what's most important. And what's most important is making disciples. What's most important is passionate Christ followers, because the third trend people are saying is it's going local and it's going smaller and it's going neighborhood and it's going parish. So the church in the future can be connected globally like it is through the Internet or whatever, but it's displayed locally in the places that we live and the ability to actually love our neighbors. Because mm. both of those create disciples. Loving God alone is mysticism. Just loving neighbors alone is socialism. But together 
They are the passionate work of the kingdom where we love him and out of that it flows. And the fourth thing I, I, I think that's really happening is that the church you have now has three dimensions to it. It's a global church, people watching you from wherever, a scattered church, people who know of you and actually in a time of uncertainty are turning to you, Red Church, and there's the gathered church. Don't think we have one church. We actually have now three churches that Mm. actually allow us to disseminate the gospel in new and fresh ways. This Mm. could be our day if we choose to not go back to what we used to do, because let's be honest, a lot of that wasn't working and we Mm. go forward into the new things he has for us to do. Mm. By the way, I'm pre I'm preaching. Are you all right? I I know you're you're the the preacher. Yeah. No, no, preach on. So there's this incredible opportunity. So the people listening, um, and we, and I think we're all in a process. This will take some emotional time to get our heads around. You know, I'm in that. I'm I'm, I'm trying to find the father every weekend. We're all learning. Um, you know, last week we did our live stream, which I know you, you watched and, you know, had this reality of like, um, you know, mid midway, one of the cameras gives out. So what everyone was seeing is this calm <laughs> worship, and then behind the scenes, the people are ripping stuff out and moving cables, and, yeah, and Daniel yeah, and yeah, scrambling yeah. and, and we're sending a prayer all around the world. That's happening all around oh. the world. You know, as people go, you know, give you that kind of deer in the headlights look. Yeah, keep going. Yep. Oh, and and even little things like you know, like you know, you get a, an iPhone. You know, we're trying to get people from our congregation <laughs> up and stuff like this, and like, the, like, oh, it shouldn't it be easy to just get an iPhone video of someone for a minute and a half, but then who's going to edit that? And it, it's just been such a change. So that's yeah, an element of, yeah. of, of what we're doing. If if someone is listening to this, and they could be living by themselves alone, they could be in a share house, yeah. they could be with a family. Yeah. What steps do they need to take to step into this moment? If the ball has been handed across, if we are to become, um, you know, that that gospel mandate of a kingdom of priests, yeah. you know, yeah. um, what's the steps that people need to take who are watching this to step into this moment? Yeah. Where do they start? Yeah. yeah. I think the first thing every one of us, every one of us need to, to realize is that God uses these moments to shape us individually. He uses people, events, and circumstances to shape us. So this isn't a moment where all of a sudden, you know, well, he, yeah, he's really doing this for the church leaders or the, the pastor of the church. No, he's shaping all of us in this moment. Mm-hmm. One, acknowledge. Two, believe that he wants to do a new work. Because John 10 tells us that the, his sheep hear his voice and actually follow him. And, and a lot of people are coming to this conclusion that God is, is readying a new work and even begun a new work. So one, acknowledge it's for all of us. Two, believe the fact that Jesus is probably taking his sheep to a new pastor. And three, surrender. Quit mm. trying to solve what it's going to look like and now surrender into him and the deeper work he wants to do in you. Allow him to strip away, allow him to actually refine, allow him to go after some things you've been holding off. And here's why. The net result of that is you better being able to recognize his voice in the days ahead. Mm -hmm. And the key to this moment right now for each one of us 
is voice recognition, hearing the voice of the shepherd, not the voice of culture, not the voice of, of the politics, not the voice of every person around that's got a new Zoom uh, moment that they want you to attend, <laughs> hearing his voice and then doing what? Following his voice. So as we hear his voice in new, fresh ways, we become poor in spirit. That takes us now to a new place of being able to follow him in the days ahead. And the reality is the, the prize is not getting some answers. The prize is him. Very much like the prodigal son running down the road going, there he is. The father that I first believed in, I'm going to fall into his arms and love him, not because he gives me the answer, but because that our God is worthy of our lives and dependence. So mm -hmm. each one of us need to do that. Each one of us can do that. And if we do that, that personal renewal will take us collectively and us individually to new places in the days ahead um, for his work. I mean, there's, there's something I just want to just emphasize in that, which is saying I'd, I'd love to even just dig in a little bit more is that poor in spirit. I mean, what I'm hearing is uh, there seems to be two things going on. I'm noticing with people, there's some people who have an abundance of time. Perhaps they've lost their job. Uh, yeah. Perhaps they lived alone and were quite yeah. social, yeah. but now they're spending lots of time by themselves. There's another yeah. group of people who, you know, have got jobs, but now they're doing their job. They're at home. They may be, yeah. you know, their partner may yeah. be like trying to do their job as well. They're now homeschooling kids. Um, yep. And they're feeling like, how do, how do I, how do I do all this? Like, how do I do this well? Yep. And yep. Um, what does the being poor in spirit in those moments look like? And how do those people move into voice recognition? Yeah, I think poor in spirit means this whole idea, and it's always meant the idea of emptying and taking taking yourself to a new place to say, I don't have any answers, and he knows that. I just need to tell him that I don't. I don't know how this day is going to work out. I don't know how we're going to pay the rent. I don't know what it is. Uh, and how can I create more hours? But it's crying out to him, knowing that he knows that. And knowing that in the midst of that, you knowing that creates a dependency and a strengthening that you don't have at this point in time, because you're trying to figure it all out on your own. And when that, when that dependency on him, I don't know, and you know, and I put my faith in you, not me and not us, something begins to happen. And that's, that's the beauty of our faith that what he wants us to do right here is not come up with the answers. What he wants us to know is that he has those answers. And the reality of you and I going through this over and over again it is this idea of not loving God for our sake. It's beginning to love God for his sake and who he is and what he wants to do in each of our lives. Mm. I mean, I know that you're a great student of I guess the great Christian leaders, the people who have done wonderful things for the kingdom and I know that in you know learning from you, learning to read biographies, there's always this yeah. moment where people get to yeah. um, 
you know, you think of, you know, John who wrote Revelations on an island, Paul in jail, um, David in a cave, um, you know, like you look at, um, you know, Dwight Moody had this moment where he's upstairs friend's bedroom in New York, uh, yeah. you know, and, and cried out to Island. God. And um, yeah, just, just talk about, because in a sense, what I've realized is that moment now we're all being forced to in our own way. Yes. Yes. And that moment is a moment we would actually like to not acknowledge or see, but it happens in all Christ followers. life. we come out of like, you've been preaching the dark night with a new sense of realization of who he is and who we are. By the way, Mark, that's what discipleship and spiritual formation is about. Growing and understanding who he is and growing and understanding of who we are. And if you look at any person, any person, not the pastor types, any person who has actually been able to live a life and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. They experience repeated times of renewal, repeated times when they cry out to God, not just once when they came to know him, but repeated times when they cry out to him and basically get to the place where they understand that the reality of my life is in the fact that I know him and the power of his resurrection, which is exactly what Paul said. As things went wrong for Paul, I I don't think a whole lot of people realize that Paul had moments where he actually had this fears without struggles within. He actually had moments where he was talking almost, you know, depression type of moments. Mm. And yet he learned that in all of those situations, he just wanted to actually in the end know God, know who he was and the power of his resurrection. And here's the strange thing. He's given us downtime to be able to do that. Let's not waste it. Let's find him in new, fresh ways. That grants to us a spiritual power and a spiritual authority we don't know we have, but in the end changes other people's lives as we get a chance to get close to them. Mm. I mean, it's an amazing moment in the sense that Totally. That personal renewal that leads to corporate change, we're all experiencing it. And, you know, there's this sense that I think when this first happened and people were making the decision literally in a couple of days of do we go online, do we live stream, there was a fear in lots of people that, oh, we're just going to become, we're just going to feed consumer Christianity even more. Right. But what I'm seeing is the opposite, um, that now people are like, hey, I can't put my kids in kids' church. I have to disciple them. And I think there's an invitation um, you know, that like there's worship. We, we can do a couple songs here through the internet for you. Um, and But there's an element, like what I'm excited is we're hearing stories of families who finish the service, households where people pull out a guitar and start worshipping. You know, we're hearing people who are yes. now like, man, we're going to be really on devotions with kids where people yep. um, actually like checking on neighbours um, who are elderly. There's just this incredible moment that God's going to do a renewal, uh, I think, through the midst of this. is actually, I think it's maybe even destroying cultural Christianity. I mean, it'll always be yeah. there, but it's downplaying yeah. it. Yeah. But see, this is, Mark, what he does in transitions. This is what he does. He reinforces values. He changes behavior. He, he builds a deeper dependency on him. He actually carves out new ways to express our love for him to take us in the future. Why? Because what got us here 
won't take us there. And the things we do now are precursor to the things we're going to need to do in the future. It's why God creates and allows these in-between moments to get us ready for what's ahead, not take us back to what once was. And, and you can almost see it. We're acting differently. And so our big challenge is let's not go back. Let's go on. Hmm. Let's not return to Egypt. Let's go on into now what God has for us. And here's the most exciting thing. It's happened on our watch. That must hmm. mean everybody who's hearing this, you were, even if your childhood and everything was tragic, you were allowed to be a part of this moment because you're needed. Mm. Now is the time to, to go deeper in order to go wider for the king. What a fantastic place to end this on. Thank you so much, Terry, <laughs> for so much wisdom in this moment. And, and on behalf of Red, so much of, I think, of our preparedness. Like I felt there's an element where yeah. it did come as a shock, but also we were prepared, I think, because... Yeah. You know, we've learned from you, uh, both as corporately as individuals, to go deep before why that personal renewal leads to corporate change, and that crises are not to run from, but actually to learn from. So we just thank you for the deposits that you've put into oh, our church welcome. that's enabled us to to minister at this time. So thank Honor, you, and so, many blessings. So, so thankful for you guys. And you know, my final exhortation to you is: you have been prepared for such a time as this. Now step into it, Red. And I don't mean, I'm not talking big right there. Step into it in terms of the unique contribution. If it gets big, fine. If it stays what it is, fine. But you have a unique contribution to help extend the kingdom of God, not just there in Melbourne, not just in the state of Victoria or wherever, worldwide now. So step into it, Red. We need you. Oh, thank you, Terry. We received that and many blessings. And we look you forward bet. to talking to you again soon. You bet.